What up? This is Dart Adams, and this is episode 73 of Dart Against Humanity. The idea for this episode came from a discussion I was having on Twitter. Don't they all? Um, I was talking about a film called Primer and what Primer did in terms of um, explaining time travel and revolutionizing how time travel was utilized in film and how uh, screenwriters rethought how they utilized time travel in film. Anybody who's a creative writer who's watched enough movies knows that one of the big issues with film since the beginning of time is when people started bringing in time travel as a device. Because, again, everybody isn't 100% sure how time travel works. And some people add in extra wrinkles. And then later, some people say that won't make sense. And then science shows up and says, actually, X, Y, and Z would happen. And then somebody comes up with a new theory. And then somebody comes along and tweaks it just to, you know, to create something so that makes it better and easier for writers. And you have all types of fantasy genre that utilizes time travel. It's a device. It's something that we use, you know. It's a trope now. So... Again, I was talking about the film Primer and how Primer revolutionized time travel and it's how it was written and treated in film. And I even went as far as to explain that in the film um, Avengers Endgame, they talk about time travel and they bring up a list of films that use time travel. And then it ends with um, Professor Hulk uh, Banner saying that that's not how time travel works because you do this and this and then this happens and this happens. So this can't be this. And then you look at Ant-Man and he says, so you mean to tell me Back to the Future was bullshit? All the films that they talked about, they did not mention Primer, which was the main reason why people had to rethink how they did time travel in films. Primer, super independent film, uh... I believe the tagline was what happens if it works, which was written on the um, Netflix DVD when you rented it. I'm talking about back in the days when you went online, had your Netflix queue and it got mailed to your mailbox and you had to have one, two, three, four, five films at a time. My brother and I did the five films at a time. We even had the thing where we knew when to send off our DVD. Sometimes we put them in the same sleeve to make sure they all got them. So we got the movies at the top of our queue that showed up in our mailbox that Tuesday when they dropped. We had it down to a science. I even wrote about it on um, Poisonous Paragraphs. Which well, brings me to my point. We were talking about, I was talking about this film and then um, Camino brings up, Camino 84, brilliant musician, brings up uh, what that film did, Primer did for um, time travel Coherence did for alternate realities and how they're treated in film. Coherence is another independent film that not enough people discuss or talk about that was super brilliant in introducing the idea of alternate realities and time travel and uh, alternate realities all existing at the same time and occupying the same space and what happens if those people interact. Brilliant independent film came out uh, between 2013 and 2014. I watched Coherence again at five o'clock in the morning 
because of this exchange we had about currents. People were like, I never heard this movie. I never heard of this movie. I'm like, yo, you need to watch it. It's like being on peyote and you ain't on peyote. And the thing is that films like this make you question how smart you are because you think you got it. You think you got it. You think you caught up. Then something happens and you realize, oh, shit, I'm lost. I love that feeling, especially if it's done well. Now, that being said, Coherent is an ind- is a is an independent film, underground film, cult film. This is not a film that people typically talk about. This is rarely talked about. Um, Primer. Very independent cult film, not a film a lot of people talk about. Maybe the film independent um, awards or back in the days I used to I used to get IFC the IFC channel and they used to have the show called at the Alec um at the uh, at the Angelica was it? It was pretty much at the, a famous uh, art house theater in New York and they used to like run down the list of all the independent underground films. The Sundance Channel also existed at the same time. So um, then Film Independent d- did the did the Independent Award Show. Anyway, what I'm saying is that I realized early on that there was a new wave of cult films. I say new wave because I'm old. I grew up in the era of um, it was a big deal to have a video rental card in the 80s. This is a discussion I had with Atmosphere. Um, uh, Slug, Ant, Plain Old Bill, and um, and B Dolan after their show at the um, House of Blues not too uh, a couple days ago, and we were just sitting there having old man discussions about what it meant to have a video rental card and to dub, <laughs> to have two VCRs and dub stuff and have your friends come over and the movies that we remember from that era, like the stuff Sleepaway Camp. You know, we were just talking about all these movies like uh, Rutger Hauer, Wanted, Dead or Alive, stuff like that, or how things changed when we got cable and how that altered the landscape of what was a, um, a cult movie to us. So it just made me think that, yo, I should do a, 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 a um episode about this. Now, I was so into this concept because it changed again. After, again, I said it changed um, when people got cable because now you're going to the video rental store and you're getting these movies that people may not have heard of from from uh, companies like Vestron Video, Key Video, uh, Canon doesn't exist anymore. You know, like all these all these different companies, and you would watch these movies and they would have trailers for other movies, and then you would go to the video store and you go looking for them. Or you'd go to the video store and there'd be a standee there for a movie you'd never heard of. Like, what the hell is this? Or a movie that was in the theater that nobody saw, but now it's coming out. So now you can watch it. Now you add that to a movie hitting cable and coming on 20 times in a fucking month. And this is how you get to see the movie. You know, there's different levels to it. And oftentimes what happens is they're the movies that fall through the cracks that you see, that you like. And you're like, yo, how come more people don't know about this movie? And then it spreads and it becomes one of two things. In one circle, it could become a cult classic. But in another circle, it could become a hood staple. Sometimes you can be both. A perfect example, uh, The Professional or Leon The Professional. Leon The Professional became both a hood staple 
and a cult classic. It was always on cable. It was a popular rental. And it introduced a lot of people in the hood to music that they typically would not have been um, up on. I got a lot of people into Sting through The Shape of My Heart, which was already in a previous movie. Uh, the Three of Us or some shit like that. Uh, please don't go. It was the movie that had Hathaway's uh, Please Don't Go in the, in the thing. It was. um. Anyway, um, Venus is a Boy by Bjork was in this movie. The reason why The Shape of My Heart was used on Nas's album is, I guarantee you, it was because they saw or heard it used in um, Leon the Professional. Because it was that much of a hood staple. Moreover, in November 2007, my blog started, uh, Poison's Paragraph started in 2007. So in November 2007, I'm trying to come up with new uh, things to write about that nobody else is writing about. I'm going through, because back at the time, there was this thing called Technorati, and you used to follow like a whole gang of blogs. So I followed 250 blogs on Technorati. I went through all of them to try to see what they were doing, what they were doing, and what could I do that they don't do. So I was like, yo, I'm going to write a, a cult films of the internet age list. Why? Because the concept of a cult film changed with the advent of the internet. Matter of fact, this is from November 5th, Monday, November 5th, 2007, Dart's 12 favorite cult films of the internet age, 1996 on. <clears throat> the phenomenon of the cult film, a movie that is released and sometimes takes a while to develop an audience or catch on, is not a new occurrence. However, with the advent of the internet and information being made more readily available, this means that smaller films from overseas can now receive a worldwide audience. Independent films now have many more venues and opportunities to be seen and gain an audience, as some of these joints start out as outhouse, art house favorites and gain an audience through word of mouth. These are my 12 personal favorite cult films in the internet age. Keep in mind, I could have gone to 100 easy. Come on, we're talking about me here. There'll be another list, believe it. So I did this to gauge how people's reaction would be to it because I already knew I was going to do 100. And I was just hoping that I got the opportunity, that people went nuts for this. So I start with Fight Club, City of God, Old Boy, Donnie Darko, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Battle Royale, Memento, the Boondock Saints, 12 Monkeys, Snatch, The Way of the Gun. Um, Christopher McCarry is one of my favorite um, sc screenwriters. I follow him on Twitter. Ong Bak Muay Thai Warrior. That's what I opened with, those 12. Needless to say that after I did those 12, people were like, yo, you need to do more of these. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. I definitely, I definitely could do that. Um... So what I did was I just kept making lists. Uh, I would do one every few months, like sometimes I think I spaced it out between four and six months. So I was just and plus I had I was watching a lot of movies on Netflix, the Internet. I was just people were just sending me films, screeners, stuff like that. So I was seeing a lot of movies, a disgusting amount. On these lists, I have everything from like Takeout, Lemon Tree, Food Incorporated, Bronson, Carriers. Who even remembers Carriers? Uh, Spread, Moon. Was I was big on Moon and Collapse. Pandorum. I loved Pandorum. Black Dynamite, which was like a big, 
film in the underground. Children of Invention, which is an under, which is a, a film nobody knows about, about two um, Chinese kids from Boston who lose their mom. Um, stuff like Men Who Stare at Goats, The Road. I, I was covering like The Road because it was released as counter, as a counter thing um, for the holiday season. You know, like around um, Halloween, and it just didn't really do well. I had stuff like The Education of Charlie Banks, um, Visioneers, which I don't know a lot of people saw, Slingshot Hip Hop, um, Explicit Ills, Cass, which I don't know, think a lot of people saw, stuff like Surveillance, um, Crow Zero. There was I was just all over the place with this man. Um, Bomb the system, the machinist, Requiem for a Dream, Night Watch, uh, Thirteen, Narc. I think a lot of people slept on a History of Violence, um, The Devil's Rejects, Twenty One Grams. Buffalo 66, which is still to this day one of the most influential trailers I've ever seen in my entire life. Garden State, which I love. Run, Lola, Run. Everybody saw. Adulthood, Children of Men. Easily one of the most influential films of the past 15 years. But as I made more and more of these lists, people were just like, yo, these are really good. I think I put Fargo on one. People were just like, is that really a cult film? I was like, technically, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I had stuff like um, Event Horizon, City of Violence, M Enemy at the Gates, Summer Sam, which got really um, suppressed because of the families who um, were victims. They really didn't want that film to be made. I had stuff like Hoodlum, The Brotherhood of the Wolf, Bringing Out the Dead, which when I, which I saw working at the movie theater, City of Lost Souls. Haven, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Dark City, Thank You for Not Smoking, Roger Dodger, personal favorite, The Nest, a French film, um, The Proposition, Spartan, which was shot right in my neighborhood as I was working at uh, at CVS, and I used to see Val Kilmer and the girls used to complain about him being creepy, um, Thumbsucker, 1114 Threat, which I was getting updates about for three years as it was being made, I don't even think anybody can find that shit anymore, um, a Man Apart, The Shape of Things, Wow, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, The Nine, Sunshine, The Signal, The 2007 Signal, which is a favorite of mine, um, Southland Tales, which I think is the textbook definition of a cult film. But I was doing all of these lists. I My first list in November, I think I did 100. And then people kept asking me to do more and more and more and more. Because I apparently seen everything. So I was throwing names out like Buffalo Soldiers from 2001. Um, high Tension or Hot Tension, which I got um, for $5 from Europe as a VCD. Which was dope. I Heart Huckabees, which was not for everybody. Um the Devil and Daniel Johnson, which is an amazing documentary. Rest in peace to Daniel um, Daniel Johnston. Uh, the Proposition was the Nick Cave film that I just feel like not everybody really got. Hard Luck 
is a slept-on Wesley Snipes movie with him and Mario Van Peebles. Yo, that movie back in 2006, 2007, my brother and I saw that movie about 50 times. I haven't seen it since. Dude's the main character's name is and then is Lucky. Oh my god. <laughs> There's so many quotable lines in that film. You need a beat once. Once my brother and I loved this movie, loved the soundtrack. We watched it to death. And the thing is that I think it was like a year later when we both realized that they never said their names in the movie once. We were so, I was so intrigued by this movie. I was so enamored with this film. It never once dawned on me that they never said their names. Um, Resolved, which is a film about um, policy debate. I did mock trial debate, tried policy debate for a while. I thought it was insane. Um, Rocket Science is another film about um, uh, policy debate, the policy debate world. I think it's the first time that um, Anna Kendrick, it was Anna Kendrick's um, debut. Um, Stuff like The Battle for Haditha. Cleaner, which a lot of people don't talk about. Um, Triangle. And Bruges. The Blicks. The Blicks. Gamora. Eatman, which at the time when I wrote this could kind of could pretty much qualify as a cult film. But now I think more people know about it where people just look at it like, um, fam, this ain't saying a cult film. I had stuff like Dakota Sky, Infernal Affairs, District B-13, Pusher, the original Pusher from um, 1996. There have been a whole bunch of different um, versions of it made. Um, all over the world. Uh, Zometi 13, uh, 13 Zometi. Uh, it's been redone a few times. Amortis Pedals. Um, Sleepers, which is actually one of my all time favorite films, and it's actually next to me in the original DVD. Time and Tide, which is a sweetheart film from 2000. Lucky Number Slevin which is a hugely underappreciated cult film, which anybody who loves dialogue and screenwriting needs to get into, 15 years old. Versus, which turns 20, uh, a zombie film, an amazing zombie film that I think people have forgotten about. Um, Ichi the Killer, which I think that people, people are aware of by now from 2001. Irreversible. This was a movie that me and Combat Jack, Reggie Osei, used to talk about because it was so much of a mindfuck. And it 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 um it pushed your buttons and challenged you because it was like, can you watch this? Another movie like that was um Mysterious Skin and Happiness and um uh Takashi Mike is really good at making these type of movies. The Visitor, Visitor Q, um, Audition. It's like, the like, can you handle, can you just make this movie to the end? It's not necessarily about it even being good. Can you make it to the end in this movie? Gangster Number One, which is turning 20. I love that movie. Equilibrium, which is another, uh, <laughs> another uh, joint uh, that everybody loves. Gun Cutter. A Grammat- What's a Grammaton cleric? I hated uh, Tay Diggs. 
at the time I first saw it, and I was like, oh, God, this movie's going to make me, uh, this and the way of the gun are going to make me not hate Tay Diggs like I should. Um, the Believer from 2001, uh, Ryan Gosling and Summer Phoenix. Summer Phoenix should be out of here. She should be regarded as one of the greatest actresses of her era or actors of her era. Forget about just that designation. But she isn't because, you know, she she like f fell back from acting. But I have The Jacket, which is another film that I love in terms of time travel. I think that the butterfly effect gets shit on a lot. I like the butterfly effect and the jacket, and people don't talk about it. Gattaca, which I think is is turned into like a joke because people just like mention Gattaca. Running scared though. I'm not a huge Paul Walker fan, but this is it's definitely my favorite Paul Walker film, Running Scared. Brick, of course, fifteen years, easily the the movie that like I think established homie um and made people just like think that okay he's he's got it he he has something but what also changed the um the way we perceived cult films was sure we had Netflix but then we got Redbox then we had 24/7 internet where we could people from overseas could find a way to seed or upload back in the days um you couldn't just download a movie easily sometimes they put up these things called portals and then they would put things up in um in pieces so you download piece one piece two piece three piece four piece five piece six piece seven and piece eight and then you'd have this um this program that you downloaded did chain linked all of those pieces and made it into one long movie which sounds incredibly stupid but we used to do it and then of course there was always you know um you get stuff from like seeds and stuff like that so it was always that type of thing or there was a direct download that used to take hella long now download speeds are nothing because with the advent of uh rapid share and x x share and mega upload and all of those uh, what started happening was z share what started happening was people started getting um the full year membership and getting the high download speeds so when they went online to these forums and these places that just had all the wares we called them all the movies all the games everything everything was downloading super fast so we had everything and that was just back when back in the days when you used to go to like the store and buy an entire uh, spindle of DVDs. First, it used to be CDRs. Then CDRs just CDRs couldn't carry enough um enough space, so they had to get the DVR. So DVD the DVDRs. So um you just get the DVDRs, just have a spindle pack, and you would just burn music and films onto them. So I used to have, I had those with comic books, full of comic books, full of movies, full of everything. I actually still do, but it's really bananas. That really like changed the whole um, complexion of the game for a lot of people. But I stopped doing my poisonous paragraphs 
I started uh I started up again on Bass of Swordsman because on Twitter people would ask me, it's like, yo, yo, um, can you like think give me give me a name, something something I haven't seen before? And I would just give people names of movies and documentaries, and I was like, yo, I might as well just do this shit again, man. So I was giving people names like of stuff like Five Fingers, which not a lot of people are up on. Animated films like um Princess, which I think almost nobody remembers anymore. West 32nd. Um, Gonzo was a documentary about the life and work in, of Hunter S. Thompson. The Horseman. Ch- the Chaser. The Class, which is a French film about a, um, a teacher. Then there's this um, movie Uncertainty that deals with um, alternate timelines. Kind of like Sliding Doors. That movie that all the girls rented when I worked at the movie, uh, worked at the, uh, the video store, um, at Tower Records because they were all in love with Gwyneth Paltrow. Anything Gwyneth Paltrow was in, they buy. Now she's the goop lady. She's a crazy goop lady now, but all the girls used to rent anything Gwyneth. Gwyneth's in it. It was, it was gone, but uncertainty is a movie that, um, deals with like what happens if you do this or this happens um, Pero Come Pero, uh, Dog Eat Dog, that was Franklin. F-R-A-N-K-L-Y-N. That was another one that like kind of came and went. Between 2008 and 2010, I remember people used to talk about Franklin. Nobody talks about this shit anymore. Everybody remembers Fish Tank because it actually got press and it was like a media darling. The assassination of a high school president. Um... That's one that like kind of flew under the the radar. Um, the Vicious Kind was a movie that intrigued me for the longest because I was trying to figure out where's this going, where's this going. And then when the change happens, the changeover happens. I was like, oh, you sons of bitches, y'all sons old bitches. I saw the devil, which I was big on. Daydream Nation, which is pretty slept on um cat dennings movie really slept on um alpha dog which is another favorite cult film of mine did i just feel people do not talk about nearly enough um i think everybody knows about scott pilgrim versus the world that's not like surprising anybody if i was to mention that one uh noel clark who i'm a big fan of from the uk He's made uh, a few series and stuff like that, like um, and films like the adulthood, kid adulthood films, which I think a lot of people um, are relatively up on. I don't know if they know about four, three, two, one, where he tried to um, stretch the idea of, of linear storytelling and jump cutting and telling this story, this story, this story, and then combining them all. I don't think a lot of people remember 4321. It was like a British film that he did in America. Happy, thank you, more please. I think that um, that's another one people may or may not uh, be familiar with. Unthinkable is a cult film in every way, shape of the word. Samuel Jackson, Carrie Ann Moss. Um, if you haven't seen it, find it. Super. Super and um, what's the other one about America? Um, I feel like Super, 
that film about America and Assassination Nation are all along the same um the same mold that they're like they push the envelope for the audience as to what they what they can tolerate or what they can um what they can take from a film. Kill the Irishman, I actually watched that is um to me that's a feel good film. To most people they're like, what are you talking about? That movie is insane. Enter the Void, which I don't really recommend for everybody. Um, the Man from Nowhere, which I love. There's movies like The Robber, Elite Squad, or Trope, uh, Tropa de Elite. There's Elite Squad, um, The Enemy Within, which is Tropa de Elite 2. Um, Submarine. Thunder Sold, a documentary about the Cashmere Stage Band that comes back and does a performance. That's heartwarming as fuck. Uh, Ava DuVernay's I Will Follow. Um, Everyday Sunshine, which is a documentary about Fishbone. I think the last Kevin Smith film he made that I thoroughly enjoyed and actually liked genuinely without any trepidation was Red State from 2011. I, I don't think he's made anything since then that made me like feel like it's something you absolutely have to see um attack the block which i feel like that's the the film that introduced the world to john boyega and now he's john man the devil's double pariah by d reese drive is on here is a um is a cult film i don't think it's a cult film anymore the raid redemption i feel like at the time it was a cult film i don't think it's one now you know um movies like exam exam which was on netflix i don't think it's there anymore definitely definitely a cult film i just feel like the idea of what a cult film is or isn't has changed over time, you know, because we didn't have um, all the ways to screen a film on demand as we do now. The proliferation of the red box changed a lot of things. Um, you didn't have Vimeo. Is a method to get your um your movies out there. The the crowdfunding aspects was in its infancy. So you have like an era of cult film that you know from dusk till dawn is a, is a cult film. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a cult film. Confidence is a cult film. Um. The Ice, what's it called? Um, the Ice Thing. I um, can't remember exactly what it's called. It's a cult film. Um, the Cooler, right? The Cooler is a cult film. Essex Boys. Um, Go from 1999 is a cult film. Um, it's crazy because it's one of Doug Lyman's earliest like examples. Like he can he can get the job done. Like the man did um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the Born Identity, but he started with Go in 1999 and um, Swingers, you know. So um, there's stuff like 
One of my favorite films of um the early zeros is Better Luck Tomorrow. Justin Lin did that one. Ravenous. He was eating me. Lord of War, which I loved, is one of my favorite. Um, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage has a whole lot of films that I consider cult. Uh, the Weatherman, Lord of War. Um, The film where he's in the ambulance with Ving Rhames. I think I mentioned it earlier. 28 Days Later is definitely, I feel, a cult film. Intermission, definitely a cult film. Um, Wonderland, I don't know how many people even really saw Wonderland. They're going to have to go back and catch it. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is definitely um, um, like in, in the, in the um, discussions for like a cult film. I just don't feel, I just don't know how it can't be. But, like, as time passed, you had to, like, reevaluate what was a cult film, you know? Because how people were introduced to film before versus now completely changed. Then you had to just start reevaluating things individually. Because what was a cult film 10 years ago might not be one now. But in some cases, there's movies that were cult films five years ago that aren't ones now. Just because the game is different. And then you have to like factor in documentaries like um, Dogtown and Z-Boys. Which then became the Lords of Dogtown. You know, um, Skate Kitchen. You know, which a lot of people still haven't seen. Mid-90s, which I thought mid-90s would be better than it was. It kind of disappointed me. Um, there's stuff like uh, A Band Called Death, which is an amazing documentary that not enough people have seen. And then, like, you have to think about, like, are films that weren't widely distributed in America from other countries automatically considered cult films? Like Downtown Torpedoes, that's going to be a cult film. Contract Killer from 1998, Ballistic Kiss. You know, Brother from 2000 with Take- um, Beat Takeshi. Um, full-time Killer. Breaking News from 2004. Kill Zone, SPL um, from 2005. Triad Election. Um, Flashpoint from 2007 like these are films that not everybody's up on so it's easier to consider them in the cult in the cult sphere which is just nuts like Enemy at the Gates is considered to be cult Then there's movies like that are weird, super weird, like The Nines. I don't know how many people have seen The Nines. There's so many different 
subgenres like I Heart like um I Heart Huckabees. They're these movies that have these ideas, visioneers that are hard to grasp, these concepts that they're just extra weird and they appeal to some people who like that far out shit. Like there's a movie called London. And I love it, but most people are just like, what the fuck is this about? It's about a couple that all they do is fight. And they have a discussion once about negative energy and the and a study about the impact of negative energy. And they're arguing about the study, which we don't even know is real. About <laughs> they had this rice out and they had these scientists talk nice to the rice and the rice stayed good. But they had rice in another room and the scientists talked shit to the rice and just yelled at the rice and screamed and said like horrible things to the rice. And the rice turned black because of the negative energy affected this inanimate object or this organic object. And they're arguing about the validity of this study, which neither of them even knows really existed because she said she read it somewhere. They don't know exactly where they read it. But the whole thing is that the reason why I like that movie is because it just shows that you can have two characters on screen going back and forth with dialogue and it draws you in. And the film is the film good. You're watching it. You want to know what happens next. You want to see what happens to these people. Isn't that the point of the film? Because there are a lot of films that people say are good that I don't give a fuck what happens to anybody on screen. So to me, that's not a good movie. Um, per, case in point. Heredity. Everybody was telling me, yo, you need to see this movie. You need to see Heredity. You need to see it. An hour in, I check out. I don't care what happens to anybody I don't even want to see him die. I don't hate him enough to see him die. I don't care enough about these characters to waste any more time on this film. Don't care. Midsummer. I needed to see how that ended. After it did, I felt I wasted my motherfucking time. I wanted a refund and I saw it for free. Because I knew 30 minutes into the movie, oh, I ain't going to like this. I knew 45 minutes into the movie, I'm really not going like this. I knew 15 minutes into the movie, the black guy shouldn't be here. Not joking. After the movie was over, the last frame, the last thing I see, and I'm just like, I wasted my motherfucking time watching this movie. I wasted my motherfucking time watching this movie. I'm angry. I'm glad I saw it to the saw it through because, you know, finish what you start. And I had already checked out on the um, the director's previous film, another film. But no, I didn't need to see this. It was like La La Land all over again. Why, God, why? Um, but I went to see, but I saw Parasite several times. Love Parasite. There's so many layers. It's so dense. There's so many things that you go back to and catch. And you realize, oh, this is the moment this happened. This is the moment this happened. There's so many um, little nuanced things that happen with the performances by the entire cast. So when that film started winning, 
And the reason why I bring it up is because Parasite would have been a cult film. But since it's getting all these nods and all this act, all these all this acclaim and people are writing about it, more people going to see it. It's no longer a cult film anymore. Whereas in previous years, it would have been. Because one of the criterion for being a cult film is, you know, don't do well at the box office. This ain't a blockbuster, but I can't a hundred percent consider it a cult film. There are movies that I put on cult film lists five, ten years ago that they're not cult films anymore. Blade Runner used to be a cult film. Is Blade Runner a cult film now? No. It's a franchise. If you think about it, the first Alien was a cult film. Aliens wasn't. When you look at the way the first Terminator film was made, it was kind of an independent, underground, character-based, sci-fi film that was a love story. Now, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, blew all that shit out the water. It was just a blockbuster in every way, shape, or form. Movies like Loose. I bring up Loose for one main reason. I've been trying to find this film and watch this film for like a year now. I think it came out in November for rental. But like it's on Voodoo and Amazon and all these other things for $5.99. It's not available on Redbox. You can't watch it on Netflix. And you can't find it on the intranets. It's just, where, what? How do you see this fucking movie? You gotta go buy it. But there's 50 different ways to buy it. But I haven't seen it. But Loose is going to be a cult film. Know what I'm saying? There's no way around it. Back in the days, the old art house films that we used to watch. But like, um, so you think about it. The movies that are well regarded is like classics. A lot of them were art house films back in the day that we used to go see. Like Reservoir Dogs. Bottle Rocket. You know, like think about that. Think about when Pulp Fiction first came out, how it was regarded, you know, movies like True Romance, um, fucking, it's insane to think that there are movies that everybody regards as great, The Usual Suspects, Snatch, These were considered like cult films, underground films. But now you say that to somebody like Fight Club was a cult classic. Now people just think of it as just like, you know, that's a film everybody knows. No, people walked out the movie theater when that shit came out. You know, I've mentioned this before. I had it on DVD. People come over like, oh, my God, you have it. 
So it just bugs me out when I think of like uh, how you think about Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and now you have stuff like Disney Plus is going to affect uh, distribution for films and shows and how that's going to inform a whole new generation of what people consider slept on or cult. Because there's so much out there that it's hard to get above the noise, so it's hard to have an audience, even if you made something with wide distribution. But it's not the same way as that this film came out by a major studio and got buried by some other films. You know? Like, No Escape back in the day no escape came on cable 20 times in a week and um, 20 times in a month we saw it we quoted it we recorded it on the vcr and all of our friends saw it we got the dvd no escapes a cult classic and a hood staple simultaneously what needs to happen for that to be a thing now like what are the methods the delivery system the conveyance system what are the steps that need to be taken or what would have to happen for that to happen now? Like, I know in order to see Dakota Sky, I had to get it on. I had to see it on Netflix and then tell people about it. And back when I worked at the uh, CVS, what I would do was I would pull up um, any of the entertainment magazines that reviewed new movies that were coming out. Or I would go to uh, straight to a- Amazon and see the new releases and I would go through them to see what movies I had missed or what documentaries were coming out. I haven't seen Restrepo yet. You know? So it was it was stuff like that. But now what do people do? What are the steps they take? What are the uh What are the hurdles that they have to go through in order to see film? And is the fact that so much stuff is readily available to them, does that change the way a film becomes a cult classic? Or over time, can it change faster? Like it might take five, 10 years for somebody for a a movie that was considered a cult classic to stop being a cult classic. And now it's a, it's a, just a general classic. Can that be fucking a year, two years now based on the way stuff is distributed? <sighs> yeah. So that's pretty much my whole um, take today. I'm just going to be the dude that's uh, watching all uh, the award shows during award season and just seeing all these films that I haven't seen yet and all these people vote on them and just wonder how many of these movies are actually good? How many of these will I enjoy and how many of them will become future cult classics or just uh, generally accepted classics. All right. So that's all I got for y'all. Um, two more before the end of the season. And then 
Uh, season 5 starts up, I believe, May 1st, 2020. All right, then. One.